guys. Thanks for listening. If you find that you're having trouble understanding us or listening to our first three episodes, feel free to skip forward to episode four when we finally figured out the sound. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Just to let you know, we are still working out some of the kinks with the sound, so please bear with us and we hope you enjoy. Welcome, freaks and geeks. Are you ready to get weird? Uh, I am. I don't know if I am. <laughs> Shout out, Deborah. I love you, and you're a great listener and a great pseudo mom. So thank you. So my name's Rachel. I'm Danny. I'm Brigida. And uh, welcome to the show. This is the co host podcast. And um, are we going to start it out with a quote today? Oh, sure. Yeah, we can definitely start it with a quote. I have one prepared. (laughs) Ooh, good, because I don't. Here we go. Try to learn to breathe deeply. Really taste food when you eat it. And when you sleep, really try to sleep. Try as much as possible to be wholly alive with all your might. And when you laugh, laugh like hell. And when you get angry, get good and angry. Try to be alive. You will be dead soon enough. I'm gonna cry. Wasn't that good? That was <laughs> deep. I was like, remember to be alive, bitch. You just like taste food, and I was like, oh, like that quesarito yeah. I had on the way here. YOLO. I think, I, is it okay if I shake the magic eight ball today to see who goes first? Yeah. yeah. Let's, uh, let's shake the magic eight ball. Okay. Yeah, All first. right. Magic eight ball. Will Danny go first today? Chances aren't good. Ooh. I'm so sorry. Magic 8-Ball, will Brigida go first today? Answer unclear. <laughs> Rachel, I feel like this is default. <laughs> Magic 8-Ball, will I go first today? Little do we know that. No! Oh my god! Magic 8-Ball, should we stop recording our <laughs> podcast? Don't, don't shake that. Consult me. <laughs> no, it did not. It said consult me later. <laughs> I am done. It wants to hear the podcast first. Okay. Magic 8-Ball. Should Danny go first today? Prospect's good. Oh, okay. okay. All, All right. right. You're up, bitch. Eight times a charm. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> All right. So what story do you have today? Yeah, what you got for us today? All right. So today I'm going to tell you about the Kirkland cult and the Avery family. Ooh, I love a good cult story. I don't think I've ever heard this one. All right. Well, it's a doozy. Okay. So I'll, I'll oh, my God. Now. That's so much better. Did you all hear our voices change? No. Oh, my Oh my God. Oh, there I you go. So it, it, was, it was switched from, it was switched onto Channel 2 instead of Channel 1. Okay. So, our story takes place in Kirkland, Ohio. Where is Kirkland, Ohio? Um... Besides in Ohio. Northern Ohio. Okay. Bitch, it doesn't matter where in Ohio. What matters is that it's Ohio. Kirkland? I just think it's interesting. I just think it's interesting because I just realized this. The Kirkland, like, when you go to Aldi, Aldi brand stuff is Kirkland. No, bro, that's Costco. What the? Or Sam's. Sam's is Kirkland. 
isn't it? Yes. Um, There's also a store called Perkins. Uh, oh. They sell nice little home goods. It's very expensive. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I wonder if there's a, a store called Chili Coffee. <laughs> I can't stand you. <laughs> Maybe there's also one called Akron. Bitch, I bet. <laughs> Tell us about this cult yes. and murder. So, um, the story starts out in Kirkland, Ohio. On April 17th, 1989. Um, first, we're going to talk about the Avery family. That was my birth year. Really? 1989. Aww. That was a special year. That was the beginning of a cult. So the Avery family consisted of Dennis, Cheryl, and their three daughters, Trina, 15, Rebecca, 13, and seven-year-old Karen. Um, the family moved to Portland in 1987 from Missouri to follow the religious group that they belonged to, uh, which eventually became known as the Kirkland Cult. Ooh. Yeah. So the cult leader was Jeffrey Lundgren. He grew up going to an RLDS church in Missouri. He was really into scripture. Um, he met as his- am I. <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Brigida. Thank you, baby Jesus. After meeting his wife, Alice, things co- took a quick turn. They both viewed him as a prophet, which fed his narcissistic personality. Lundgren um, also took on the role of lay minister for a few different churches through the years in Missouri, his hometown, and then in Ohio later on. Uh, After he was fired from two to three of them, he moved his family of six to a rented farmhouse near the Kirtland Temple. Wait, what did he get fired from? Like, uh, lay minister positions at two to three. What, is, what the fuck fi- did you do? Right? How do you get fired from being a minister? Like, oh, you're not praising Jesus enough. You're fired. So, no, he actually... Um, is he embezzling? Yes. Oh, I really? always feel like every time I hear... It sounds bad, okay? Yeah. It's a cult. I think this... I have a feeling this ends badly. Brigida, was it the word cult or murder that hinted you? Both. Oh. <laughs> a little bit of both. Okay. So... Uh, Lundgren moved his family of six to a rented farmhouse near the Kirtland Temple. Seven of his followers also moved in with him. Seven's a lucky number. Yeah, but not in this case. I don't think so. I think seven's unlucky. I have a thing about odd numbers. I don't like them. Seven, one, they're like my least favorite. One is the loneliest number. (laughs) I knew that was coming. (laughs) Knew it. It's also the most peaceful number. Because you're by yourself. Yes. Okay, so um, seven of his followers moved in with him and his family. The Avery family were some of the only followers that decided to remain on their own in their own home. They did give some of their savings over to the cult, but they decided that they didn't want to live there. They wanted their own space. Lundgren quickly took control over his followers that lived with him. He expected all of them to turn their money over to him to pay for expenses for the group. And many of them gave him their life savings. He also led daily services in the home to immerse his followers in his beliefs. None of the followers were allowed to speak to each other. It was considered mumbling and rebellious. That is so crazy. Yeah. 
I can't be. I can't imagine being in a cult and not being allowed to speak to us, the other people in it. I couldn't right? imagine not being able to speak, like in general. <laughs> I fucking love talking so much. It's my favorite thing. Well, in Lundgren's house, that was a sin. In early 1988, Lundgren told his followers that a takeover of the Kirtland Temple um, was necessary, and he had members start weapon training to prepare. So he decided that this was necessary, um, I think partially because this is where he had recently been fired from, because he embezzled money, and so he decided to go on Waco on their axis. Basically, he brought it up as, like, a religious thing that, you know, like, their beliefs, this had to happen, um, but yeah, it was really huge, just his feelings for her. Like, in order to defend their beliefs, they had to have these weapons, these trainees, and but that's that just shows you how much control he had over these people. They literally couldn't speak to their other cult members, and they were like, you know, they just had he had such a influence over them. Yeah, he brainwashed them. Yeah. On May second, nineteen eighty eight, a previous men- member of the cult tipped police off to the temple takeover, and Lundgren was confronted about it. He called off the temple takeover as a result of his conversation with higher power. Really, the higher power was the police. The police came, yeah, yes. but it what he called it a higher power. Yeah, the police confronted him, but to his followers, he was like, "You know what? I consulted a higher power, and they said we shouldn't do this." Yeah, because heaven forbid, he looked like a complete asshole. Oh, exactly. <laughs> it couldn't be that he was pressured into something. It was like a call. He was like, "Oh, the Lord told me to shut this down." Yeah, Lord was like, "No, no, no." Not time yet. That's what I'm gonna say the next time they're like, Rachel, you're at work, you should be working. I'm gonna be like, a higher power told me that I should not be working. (laughs) (laughs) Consulted the higher power. This, along with other reports of possible cult suspicions and firearm activity from the neighbors, this causes police to put surveillance on the farmhouse. Um, And we're gonna fast forward to April 10th, 1989 cult leader Lundgren ordered two of his followers to dig a pit in the barn. According to some of the followers that did an interview with Oxygen, they did not know then who would be buried in the pit, and they even suspected that they could have been digging their own grave. So he said, dig me a pit in the barn, and yep. they just fucking did it. Dig me a pit of this size, and I would need reasons why. I would need, like, a ten-page letter telling right. exactly why you need me to dig this fucking pit. If somebody asked me to dig a pit, I'd be like, dig your own fucking pit. No. Do I look like I'm built to be digging pits? And so at this point, they've been living with them for, like, they'd all been living together for over a year. So they were living together for a year. Of this whole... For around a year, yeah. Um, he also told his followers, including the Avery family that they would go on a wilderness trip and had planned a dinner for the night before, which was April 17th. So this was a week after he ordered a few of his followers to do it. This is so suspicious. This is so skep, right? It's don't like, hey, suspicious, don't right. be suspicious. Take this pit, and then if we're going to go on a wilderness adventure, you might not come back from. You might come back in a body bag. Like, right. Some people know about I'm like, Why? Why are you doing this? Pit? It's called brainwashing. Apparently, it's really easy to do. Apparently, you just got to find the right people. Yeah, vulnerable people. Um, so this was odd for the Avery family to be invited over. Lundgren viewed Dennis Avery as weak and Cheryl as too independent for a woman. 
Um, little did they know that the followers that lived in the farmhouse were told that the Avery family needed to be killed as a blood sacrifice to help them reach the promised land. Land of milk and honey. It's like, you can be my friend, but you're gonna have to kill someone, basically. <laughs> so, according to the followers' admissions, Lundgren later went inside the barn with a church member named Ron Luff, luring Dennis Avery into a place where the other men awaited by asking him for help with equipment for the camping trip. Hey, can you help us where this big pit is? (laughs) We dug this big pit. Now, like, can you help us just get get down in there for a second? We just need to measure it. (laughs) Right. Just, you know, step in. It's fine. Yeah, no, That'll be nothing fine. bad's gonna happen, I promise. Right. So, Luff attempted to render Avery unconscious with a stun gun, but due to a malfunction, a stun bullet struck Avery but failed to knock him out. Avery was then gagged and dragged into the place where Lundgren awaited. He was shot twice in the back, dying almost instantly. To mask the sound of the gun, a chainsaw was left running. Uh, Left then also told Avery's wife, Cheryl, that her husband needed help. She was gagged just like her husband, but also had duct tape put over her eyes and dragged into where Lundgren was. She was shot three times, twice in the breast, once in the abdomen. Her body laid next to her husband's. The Avery's 15-year-old daughter, Trina, was then brought out and shot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She was shot twice in the head. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. These all, like, all, like, the where they were shot and, like, the way that they're doing this seems very symbolic, and it makes me very uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. This is awful. This is, like, oh my gosh. Um, Trina was shot twice in the head. The first shot entered, but ricocheted off of her skull and missed her brain, but the second killed her instantly. Then it was 13-year-old Becky Avery, who was shot twice and left to die, while six-year-old Karen... Avery was shot in the chest. No, can you? Oh my God, the children! Yeah, I. This I, is literally a slaughterhouse. This is terrible. Right. It just doesn't make sense. Like, it, like it just takes a special kind of person to hurt a child in any way, let alone murder them in cold blood. And the the, the worst part is, I don't know. I don't think you said it, but like, if they didn't have duct tape over their eyes, they had to see all of the dead family members who came before them before they died. And that's just, like, a next-level cruelty. Like, it's just exactly. not... Like, how could you have... How could you do that? I was just thinking that. That's so like, that's so fucked up. Like, a normal person's not going to understand yeah. it, obviously, because they're not in their right minds. And all of these people, like, they thought this was what was, you know, they were meant to do. Um, so, sadly, the Kirtland police officers and the FBI arrived at day two late. They showed up the next morning after the murders to respond to complaints from neighbors about cold activities and improper firearm use. They even searched the barn, um, but ended up finding nothing, and they left shortly after arriving. Becoming spooked by the visit of police, Lundgren and his followers quickly left and ended up at a campsite in West Virginia. So, on December 31st, 1989, cult member Larry Johnson decides to contact the ATF in Missouri, because, get this, his wife left him to become Lundgren's second wife. Yeah, I thought he was pissed off. He was like, Lundgren stole my bitch. Right. So he's like, gonna turn you in. Um, Johnson told the authorities about the murders of the Avery family and even drew them a map of the barn and the graves. The barn is searched and the bodies of the family were found on January 3rd, 1990. Oh 
Oh my god, so he turned them in for everything. Like, gave them right. all information. Yeah. Okay. He was just like, I'm going to give you everything. And this was, um, sadly, nine months after um, they were actually murdered. Oh so they were there for a while. Yeah. Like, police, you know, basically walked over their bodies and didn't find them yeah. the day after. Uh, but luckily they were found. Like, this might be, like, an irrational fear of mine, but, like, if I'm ever murdered, I either want to be found, like, fully intact, like, within a few days of being murdered, or, like, I don't want to be found for a long time. Like, I want to be complete bones, because I, the thought of me being, like, half decomposed just, like, really creeps me out. Oh, my God. That's why I don't yeah. want to be buried. Like. Really? Yeah, no, that shit freaks me out. I literally never I don't want to be buried because it just, why, why would I take up more land space? Like, just be me into whatever, throw me into, shoot me in space, I don't care. Space <laughs> dust. Yeah, dude. Good idea. We're all stardust, you know? We're all atoms. We're all made of the same shit. You know how they can take you and grow you into a tree? Yeah, that's pretty cool. That yeah, is really that- sweet. I would actually. There's a way, be- there's a way that it's not really legal in the U.S., but, uh, yet, but, like, they can freeze your body with liquid, liquid nitrogen and then put you on this, like, shake table. And they shake you vigorously until your body turns to liquid. No. Powder, no, no, no. And then they pour you down the drain. No. Absolutely what the hell? I'm not about not. to be liquid Drano. Like. <laughs> it's really cool, though. You know what is kind of fucked up is thinking about the fact that what if you turn into a tree and then that tree, like, years later gets, like, cut down and turned into, like, paper towels. <laughs> It's not the power of bounty, it's the power of Brigida. (laughs) Okay, you just ruined the whole tree thing for me. (laughs) Sorry, I just thought of it. (laughs) (laughs) You literally had to go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) The rabbit hole is under the tree I got (laughs) Alright, so... (laughs) 13 members of the Kirtland cult were tracked down and arrested shortly after finding the bodies, including Lundgren, his wife, and his oldest son. August 1990, Lundgren went on trial. Prosecutor Steve LaTourette was quoted saying, we kept waiting for the insanity defense, but it never came. He I was bet. like, this was all me. He's so, so delusional. At that point, you have like these ideas of grandiosity that just are a complete delusion. Right. They actually, I found a quote from him. So the NBC News reported that Lundgren was unrepentant, and he told the jury, It's not a figment of my imagination that I can, in fact, talk to God. I am a prophet of God. I am even more than a prophet. On August 29th, after deliberating for two hours, the jury found him guilty on five counts each of aggravated murder and kidnapping. A few weeks later, he was sentenced to death. Even more than a prophet? Yeah, what like, is more what? than a prophet? A god? Are you a god? Is that he what you're saying? He he's a god. I want to know what part of his brain made him, like, think things. The narcissist part. What a dick. So, in addition to Jeffrey Lundgren, his wife Alice and his son Damon would also be sentenced to life in prison on aggravated murder and kidnapping charges, as would Ronald Luft and Daniel Kraft, who were in the barn when the Averys were shot. So, Richard Brand and Greg Winship pleaded guilty and were paroled in 2010 after spending nearly 20 years behind 
bars. So that they're out now? They're out. Oh my god, I'm, I'm so, so nervous. I'm so I nervous. Know. I need to know. But that kind of, I don't know. That shocked That's me. The, the fact that they only got like 20 years and now they're like out. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the fact that a normal person could do something so fucked up and just go on and just, I mean, I doubt they're living a normal life, but just so, be in like society. Yeah. So they didn't actually participate in the murders. Um, I mean, yeah, they probably knew they yeah. were going on. But, but they did guilty by association. And yeah. There. Also, you never know if, like, they were in complete, like, brainwashing and then, like, somehow, like, you know how some people have, like, this break where they, like, wake up out of it. They're like, oh, shit, what happened? Right. Yeah. And I think that was part of um, the guy that turned in the whole cult. Yeah, that's probably what happened to him. He got got hurt so hard that he woke the fuck up. So Richard Brandt and Greg Winship pleaded guilty and were paroled in 2010 after spending nearly 20 years behind bars. As were cult members Sharon Bunchley, Susan Luck, and Deborah Oliveras. Catherine Johnson, um, who at the end became um, Lundgren's second wife, she was sentenced to a year in prison after pleading guilty to obstruction of justice and was released in 1991 after serving only seven months. Wow, that was it? Yeah. Oh my God. So she just got off now. It doesn't make sense to me, but. Right. After exhausting all appeals, Jeffrey Lundgren. Lundgren was executed by lethal injection on October 24, 2006. So this murder took place in 1990, and he was executed until 2006. Yeah, he killed multiple people. Wow. And then, right. He just, which I guess part of it's kind of, like, good because then he sat in jail and rotted for 16 years. Like, he didn't get the easy way out yeah. right away. Um, in his final statement, he said, I profess my love for God, my family, for my children, for my second wife, Kathy, I am because you are. What the hell does that mean? Yeah. Well, I just, I also found it that, funny that he mentioned his second wife, not like his wife. wife. Yeah, he's like, and more most importantly, my second wife. Yeah. Like, you were the newest, you were the shiniest. Right. I'm going to give a shout out to you. I am because, what, wait, what? I am because you are? I like, am because I am you are. because you are. What the hell? That's putting all the blame on the people that followed him all the guilt onto them. Yeah. Saying that I am uh-huh. the way I am because of you. What? That well, is seriously fucked up. Not even the people that followed him. It's putting it on his family. Yeah. Because he says for um, God, my family, my children, and Kathy. So he's like, all of you. Like, you made me who I am. Like, this is your fault. That's Which he's proud of. From it. Yeah. Jesus. He's proud That's of it. insane. But it's also, like, a terrible thing. You're a terrible human. You just don't realize it. A manipulator. Like, I thought he doesn't even know he's manipulating. So, that is the story of the Kirtland cult and the Avery family murder. It's insane. I have never heard of that either. I mean, I'm... And I know that there are more cults than we realize. Not all of them end in mass murder or anything like that. But, you know, there are a lot of times they do. Yeah. That just kind of hits a little close to home. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it really is crazy what you can convince people to do using, you know, the means of religion. Right. That really reminds me of this quote that I read once. It goes, with or without religion, good people can behave well and bad people can do evil. But for good people to do evil, that takes a religion. And that's by Stephen Weinberg. And I totally agree with that. Yeah. Like Like you're giving them a reason to do it. Yeah, no. You know, religion just kind of hits different because it's sort of like a series of philosophies that a person bases their entire lives on. And... 
if you tweak it in the right way, like, you can get them to do things that are completely against their philosophies. Exactly. It's an ideological uh, ideology. ideology that doesn't have to make sense. Right. Yeah. You, it does not have to make sense. Yeah. And that's not saying that all religions are bad. There's right. just, there's a bad no. side to people that take it in the wrong you direction. Know, yeah, no, religious can do absolutely amazing things. And, you know, I'm not really a religious person, but I definitely can respect the effect that religion has on people's lives and the way that they experience the world. And um, I think that that's really unique. Yeah, so definitely. I have a lot of respect for it. To each their own, just uh, maybe don't. As long as you're not hurting anyone. As yeah. long as you're, yeah, you know, I don't, there's no reason that anybody should to follow their own beliefs. What's that, um, that terminology for, like, holding two cognitive dissonance, holding two, um, love cognitive yeah, dissonance. cognitive holding two opposing beliefs, and that's on that. That was a really good story, Danny. I Thanks. didn't know about that, and I'm really glad that I got to hear about it. I'm scared that they um, might, the associates might still be out here in Ohio. I know, right? Wild it. I mean, Lord knows what they're doing out here in Ohio. All right, um, Danny, do you want to decide who's going to go next? Yeah. Magic 8-Ball. Is Brigitte going to go next? Don't bet on it. All right, Magic 8-Ball, does that mean Rachel's going to go? Process of elimination says yes. You can count on it. Oh, yay! Rachel, Rachel you're up, bitch! Yay! Okay, um. Tell us a tale. Well, I got a story for you guys today. Oh, and it may involve a murder. Murder? Murder? Murder, she says. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the story of the Porco family murder. I'm sorry, what was their name? <laughs> Porco. Alright, I feel like we should just move into this before we get terrible jokes. Okay, so it is November 15th, 2004. The Porco family was your all-American family. Peter Porco, the dad, he worked for the New York Court of Appeals. Their eldest son, Jonathan, was in the U.S. Navy. So, like, all-American family. Yeah, and then their youngest son, Christopher, was going to college at the University of Rochester in New York. He went to college, too. You guys have that in common. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but we'll, we'll get into it. I finished college, okay? I, I, okay. He might not have. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay, tell us more. Spoiler alert. For all it... Just wait. Just wait for the spoilers. They come in. This is in 2004, too. I still feel like that wasn't too long ago. No, it was not. So, on the morning of the 15th of November, Peter does not show up for work, and he was very diligent. Um, he had taken this job in the New, the New York's uh, Court of Appeals as an easy retirement, you know, avenue to end his career. And so he didn't show up to work, and that was very strange. So they sent an officer over to his home. Um, the officer walks up to the door. He sees that there's a key in the door, and the door is open, and there's blood on the front step. Let's see where this is going. Um, Peter is in the foyer, dead, and there's blood everywhere. So wait a second. This just went from zero to 60 to me, for me, okay? So let me just recap this to make sure I was listening correctly, Okay. He doesn't show up for work one day. The police come and find him. Like, where the fuck are you? Where they eating the work, bitch? And he's dead. He's dead on the, in the foyer. Um, like, honestly, if I didn't show up for work, everybody would just think I was, like, playing hooky. 
Exactly. Same. It'd be like she's hanging out with a dog. But I mean, like... Right, she missed her dog and she had to water her plants a lot. (laughs) But I feel like after after decades of working the same job, like, and being consistent, you know, there's going to be something weird. They're going to be like, this isn't right if you don't show up for work. Right. So, Peter has sustained 16 axe wounds to his head and chest. Oh my god. Joan was upstairs in bed with three axe wounds to her head. Um, but she was still alive. When the EMTs got there, they could actually see her brain uh, because her skull was cracked open. Oh, my God. And um, she was still alive? She was still alive. Oh, my God. Ew. And they were trying to put an oxygen mask on her, but they could not even find her mouth. No. Just That's because her face was that. It was that mutilated. How oh could you be God. alive through all of that? That's torture. Yeah. I mean, she's a strong woman. Yeah. So, Joan... Uh, that morning, the police look into it, and they notice that the alarm on the house was disabled using the master code at 2.14 a.m., and the master code was only really known to the family and a few, um, you know, extended family or friends, so that was a bit strange. The alarm box on the outside had also been destroyed for some reason and been, like, you know, hit with the axe. So is this presumed that it took place, like, during the early morning hours or something? Yeah. And that they were there all the at 2.14 a.m., the alarm was disarmed, and then the phone lines were cut at 4.54 a.m. So there's a couple hours difference in that. The scene was the bloodiest that many of the investigators had ever seen, and they also couldn't understand why Peter was downstairs instead of upstairs in the bed where he had obviously been attacked. During his autopsy, they discovered that his neocortex was severely damaged during the attack, and that part of your brain is responsible for thought and reasoning that was severely damaged but his paleocortex which is in charge of your instinct and subconscious thought was unharmed so So, two different places in his brain yeah like oh what yeah i've never heard of this happening yeah so um his paleocortex kicked in which um allowed him to go through the same routine that he had been going in through for decades wait so he started getting ready for work. With 16 axe wounds to his <gasps> face and chest. He got up for work. He put clothes on over top no. of his wounds. He went downstairs. He made himself a bowl of cereal. He went outside to get the newspaper, locked himself out of the house, got the key out of the flower pot, and then by the time he got back into the house, into the entryway, he had lost too much blood, passed out, and then eventually died. So he was on autopilot the whole time. Yes, he was on autopilot. The way that I look at it, um, I don't know if you've all ever experienced this, but if you were, like, driving and then you just completely disassociate from reality, and the next thing you know, you're home, and you're like, how the fuck did I get here? Yes, exactly. did any major events happen on the way? Exactly. You don't know, because you completely disassociated, because, you know, your autopilot kicked in and took you to where you needed to be. All right. So... That's I never crazy. Thought that would happen in case of being hit that many times with an axe. Right. Uh, I can't believe that he could even like stand up and complete any of those tasks, or like let alone see where he was going or anything. Do, I can't do that after drinking a bottle of wine. So like, <laughs> I can't even imagine. So, so question. Yeah. Like, why did his pain response not? Like, why did autopilot take over over? 
because pain is something that's recognized in your conscious thought. Pain is and that was it, damaged. Yeah, pain is okay. pain is a. Res- I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not. I'm not a. You're you not know, Rachel. I thought you were. <laughs> Just completing college doesn't make you a doctor. No, it doesn't. Oh, okay. You have to get a doctorate. But I'm a doctor. Pepper. <laughs> in my understanding, like. um you know, the pain is, is meant to kind of tell your conscious mind that something is wrong. That's what the pain is it does. That's what it's meant for. Um, so it stops you from, like, killing yourself. Right. Yourself it's like a warning or something. Yeah, it's a warning. Or something's wrong. So. But that's a good question because I was wondering that, too. Yeah. It just, I don't know. That just confuses my brain. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Okay. I don't know how that's possible. So the EMTs are upstairs with Joan and, um, they ask her, they're like, do you know where you are? She nods her head up and down, yes. They were like, do you know who attacked you? And she nods her head up and down. And then they go, was it Christopher? And she nods her head up and down. Her son? Her son. And then she goes unconscious. She was in surgery for many hours, so. Right. How did they know to ask that? Um, I think that they asked, like, a series of, like, and part of it, like, the people who were there knew them, and they knew that their other son, Jonathan, was hundreds of thousands of miles away in the middle of the ocean on a Navy ship. Okay, so it's kind of process of elimination, like, yeah. who could have been who in the house. Who could have been in the house. Okay. And I feel um, like they always presume it's someone that you know Yeah, first. that is, that, yeah. Which is so scary. That is always yeah. someone that you know. Right, you're like, please, it's like, like, nobody I know. Um, that was kind of a shock to them that she had identified Christopher. So they call Christopher and they're like, listen, some bad shit has happened. So, you know, he makes his way. Right. I'm sure he's like, oh, no, what happened? Oh, my God, what happened? The police start questioning Christopher. They're like, you know, where were you last night? Um, can we look through your car? Things, you know, just common things that even if he, if they hadn't had that information, you know, they would probably want to ask. Um. You know, he told them, oh, but I was at college. I was in college last night. Um, I was actually sleeping in my dorm common room because my roommate had a friend over and they were sleeping in my bed. Oh. So, girl. He left the sock on the door, on the doorknob? Maybe. I don't know. He's like, my roommate had a friend so, over. <laughs> so, they're like, okay, um, you know, that's a little weird, but but Christopher was like, Oh, I have all these people who can vouch for me that I was there. Right, I, I literally always night. sleep in the common room, just like on the floor, in the <laughs> on the on out. the moldy couch that yeah. like has been there for twenty years. You know they exist. That's um, disgusting. I had one in my dorm. Um. So when the PD start when the when the police start looking into it, um, they notice that the cameras around campus show Christopher's bright yellow Jeep driving off campus at about 10.30 p.m. And then, so they're like, well, you know, I know that you told us that you were asleep all night, but a camera shows your Jeep driving off campus at 10.30. And he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I forgot I had to move my car off campus so that I didn't get a ticket. That's convenient. Yeah, and they're like, and, and, you know, it's understandable, you know. I don't know. I mean, you guys have experience in college towns, like, it doesn't matter where you fucking park. They're going to give you a goddamn ticket. Right. It's in- <laughs> at some point in the day. <laughs> it's entirely possible. 
Yeah, it is entirely possible that he just needed to move his car off campus. That was a really good excuse for him to say, you know, that was true. Yeah, that, that I just really... I just need to move your car. Yeah, I completely, and that's not something that you would normally, like, remember as something, like, yeah. a huge thing. Yeah. Um, so, when they look into Christopher's life, they realize that um, he has actually taken out several loans against his father's credit. Um is like a big no-no and he did that by forging his father's signature wow um yeah and actually one of those loans is how he paid for his bright yellow jeep oh my god um it must be nice to have like parents who do that right two two parents who do that too (laughs) i wish i had someone i could take loans out against right um so while he was trying to live his best life in college, he was also failing out of college. Um, he was failing all of his classes. And there's a lot of record of this because he kept in contact with his parents through email. Um, so he was like, his parents would email him and be like, you know, we know that you are taking loans out against my credit. You need to come talk to us. We're disappointed in you. But... I need you to come talk to me before I have to go and have an affidavit made to make me not liable for the money that you have taken out against my credit. Um, yeah, I'm sure there was a lot of tension in that yeah, relationship. Can you, I yeah, can imagine. I couldn't imagine. But, I mean, clearly in the emails, clearly you could tell that, you know, Joan and Peter loved their son and they just wanted the best for him. Yeah. Um, and he was just kind of you know, taking full advantage of everything. That's so fucked up. Typical douchebag. The cops look through his car. Um, They do not find any blood, but they do find his easy pass to get through tolls on the floor of his Jeep, which is weird because it's, you know, they're supposed to hang on the front of your car. Yeah. So they can be visible. Yeah. Um, There were no records of Christopher going through the toll um, on the way to his parents' house if he were to go there. Um, on the night of the 14th and 15th, but when they questioned the toll operators, they were like, yeah, I remember a yellow Jeep coming through the cash lane and paying cash. Oh. You know, so that's, that strikes up um, some sort of concern for the police. They're like, you know, we need to figure out if one of these tickets that was issued to go through the toll booth was for Christopher. So they narrowed down all the tickets that were made that night because they're kept in they're kept by the toll company. And they find one that is the most likely ticket to be for Christopher if he were to have tried to travel to his parents' home that night. They sort of swab the ticket and they find DNA on it. The DNA on that ticket is a um, almost perfect match to Christopher, proving him that he was there that night. There's an episode of Forensic Files on this, and I think they said it. The chances of it being anyone else other than Christopher was like 0.06. So pretty accurate. Yeah, so pretty accurate that it was Christopher. Yeah. So you might need to edit this out. But why did they not just lose So um, the cash uh, lanes did not have any surveillance cameras. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So he thought um, he was getting around that by not using his Yeah. So CCTV saw Christopher's Jeep coming back at 10.30 a.m. And they were able to confirm, actually, that it was Christopher's Jeep 
because when they inspected his car, they took pictures of it, and there was a mud smear on the passion passenger door. One of the windows was ripped, and there was a political sticker on the back bumper. Um, and they were able to match that to um, the Jeep that was on the CCTV. Um, so he didn't go back till like 10.30 a.m. So there's like, you know, or sorry, not 10.30, 8.30 a.m. Uh, so 10.30 p.m. to 8.30 a.m. He was gone. Um, Joan, his mother, was unconscious for three weeks. Wow. Um, after surgeries. Um, when she regained consciousness, um, she had no recollection of the attack and adamantly denied any involvement of Christopher in the attack of um, her husband and murder of her husband. Um, which is really sad. Um, you know, so the police started a case against Christopher. They um, had a lot, they had a lot of evidence. I mean, whoever entered the house that night or that early morning knew the master code to get in, destroyed the box, uh, possibly thinking that that would get rid of any data of what code was used, when in reality it was kind of kept on a cloud versus the actual unit inside the home. The axe that was used to attack them was taken from their garage, so whoever, you know, attacked them had to know that there was a weapon there for them to use. And, I mean, just the timeline, you know, the alarm was set off, or turned off at like 2.15 a.m., and then the phone lights weren't cut until almost 5 a.m., so they were there for a while. That's just so suspicious. And, like... I'm still shook over his mom. Yeah. So... remembering. So, um, he was convicted for his father's murder and the attempted murder of his mother. And his mother stood by his side the entire time, claiming well, that he was innocent. And I'm sure if she doesn't... Honestly doesn't remember any of it, like, your brain basically, like, blocks it out for you. Right. Like, the thought that it would be your own son is just so far-fetched. Yeah. It's just completely, like, absurd to her, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm very... They had to do some absolutely, like, incredible reconstructive surgery in her face. Um, and there's a lot of pictures of her, like, attending the, you know, the court um, proceedings and things like that. Um, one of the also, you know sort of details that makes him seem even more suspicious is that a few days before the attack on his parents, he actually went and talked to an accountant. So he went to an accountant to get an investment portfolio because he told the accountant that he was coming into a large sum of money from a family member. Oh my god. And there was actually, I think, a multi-million dollar life insurance policy out on his parents. So he had been planning this possibly for a while. Yeah. Possibly to get the money. Yeah. That's what gets I'm me wondering. people go in and do that. And like, they can go back and figure out what you did yeah. before. Like, you're not smart. You gotta, you gotta do this shit like you didn't know was coming. Like, you gotta, Exactly. If you're gonna do it, you gotta do it right. Don't do it half-assed. Play stupid, because you are stupid. You're always stupid. You're always gonna be more stupid than the people who are investigating you. Right. And it's not a matter of, like, you know, your intelligence. It's a matter of proximity to the crime that you're committing because there's going to be things that you don't realize that you're overlooking. Right. Absolutely. There's so many different things that can connect to this. Yeah. And 
So I'm just, I wonder what kind of, like, mental break she had to have to even, like, consider this. Yeah. I mean, I, he's still in, he's still in prison. Christopher Marco is still in prison as of right now in New York. Um, what was his, his sentence? Uh, I think it was, like, 25 years to life. Because, I mean, it was, he was, he was found guilty of murder. I couldn't even imagine, like, being like, well, the answer to this problem is to kill my parents. Right. Right. Like, he's like, it wasn't me. There was a lot of, um, sort of speculation because I think it was Joan or Peter's brother was, like, had connections to, like, the mafia or something. Okay. And he, he was known as, like, the fireman. And, like, they thought it was retaliation, like, his, that Peter's murder was retaliation for something that he had done. And, you know, it just doesn't fit. It just That's doesn't fit right. You yeah. know, how, how would a random person know the code to get into their house? How would they know their routine? Like, you know, there's just, there's a lot of loopholes. And, like, still at the same time, why can Christopher not account for, like, you know, Ten hours. I wonder. And he was missing. I wonder what his brother thought about this. I I can only imagine. Like, I'm sure he'd be silent on it. Yeah, happening to your family. I don't know. Like, it's just and the mother a lot. Yeah, and the mother still swears up and down it wasn't him. Yeah, but I'm sure when it when they were questioning her when they first found her, she was just completely traumatic, like or traumatized. Right. Like, your brain can only, like, handle so much at one time right. for so long before yeah, but it shuts I, down. I feel like it's also the fact that that she said in that moment when they asked her if it was him, and she nodded yes. Like, she and, knew what she yeah, was doing. Yeah, and that wasn't the only question they asked. Right. Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I'm aware that, like, you know, when you have a traumatic brain injury that, you know, some wires can't get crossed. But, you know, they were like, do you know who you are? Do you know, like attacked you. You know, those are, are specific questions. Right. Um, so, so I don't know, but, but yeah, that's the story of, um, I've definitely never heard of that one before. Yeah. And it kind of gives me, um, vibes of, uh, what's the girl that killed her? <gasps> yes! Lizzie was, Borden. Lizzie Borden. Lizzie Borden took in She gave her father 40 wax. When she'd seen what she had done, she gave her mother 41. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It gives me yeah. Lizzie Borden vibes because, okay, full disclosure, she's like, she's dead now. It's fine. Well, she's no, dead? I just. Yeah, girl, that was a long time ago. Oh my god. Yeah. I, mean, I, I barely remember the details. It was in the 1800s. Yeah. But, um, like, that was. Probably one of the first cases that I was like, I'm so interested because it's so insane. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that just brought me back to Lizzie it. Borden's case. Yeah, it gets me that her her house is haunted now. She killed her whole family. No, no, she killed her parents. Well, it was her mother and her or, or her father and her stepmother. But like, yeah, the house you can still. I'm sure you can still yeah, you can still go in there. It's a museum. Yeah. Really? Oh, no, no, they turn into a bed and breakfast. It's a bed and breakfast Oh, now. my God. That's I would right. never go yeah. there. You can sleep in the room where her yeah. parents were murdered. No. Where her, her stepmom was murdered, yeah. Why is that such, like, a thrill for us? I don't know, but I would do it. Like, we're so fascinated by things we don't understand. Just, like, I would go to the Ohio um, penitentiary. Penitentiary, yeah. 
I want to go there. Oh my god, we should go. We should go for Halloween this year. Yes. (gasps) Oh my god, that would be so much fun. We can do a ghost ghost tour. Listen, Herbert will protect us. No, I'm not about to leave with any bad juju on me. I you you don't have bad juju. We'll we'll sage you before you go in, and we'll sage you when you come out. I just feel really susceptible to any of that. I feel like it would just like something would get me. So yeah, that's the story of uh, Peter Porco and his how he got murdered by his, his son Christopher. Um, I can't believe he woke up and did all of that automatically. I, I know, that's insane. Like, I could not even imagine. Like, it's hard enough for me to wake up with a conscious mind and fucking go to work. I couldn't imagine my subconscious being like, now get up and go to work. My subconscious would be like, you don't want to do that. You go just want to lay bed. back down and go to sleep. Yeah, but it's all routine for him. He's so dedicated. Yeah. There wasn't a, he wasn't going to miss a Is day of work. So, Brigida, what have you got for us today on the spooky scale? Alright, so I guess it's my turn. Do you have something slightly more uplifting? Funny you should ask. I do! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good! Uh, We can end on a high note. Alright, Brigida, what do you you got for us? Alright, I'm excited. It is going to end on a higher note. So, buckle up, earthly beings. We are heading to the moon today. Oh, yay! I do love the moon. Yes, I'm totally a moon girl. I don't even moon know what that child. means. Yes, a moon child. It's on your mic. It is! I have a moon on my mic. Yeah, it's cute. That's a sentence. Alright. <laughs> <laughs> I have a moon mic. Um, and despite having studied the moon and having this incredible relationship with it, I mean, as I do, there still seems to be a lot of... Don't laugh at that. <laughs> I'm just I'm saying. I'm just saying. We have this beautiful relationship with the moon. However, there still seems to be so much mystery surrounding it. And because of that, we humans are literally obsessed with the moon. The dark side of the moon. Yes, we're obsessed with things we can't uh, explain. We're obsessed with things we can't you yeah. know, understand. We always want to know more. There's so much to know about the fucking moon. So the moon is so close to us. It's so powerful. We just can't ignore it any longer. I, I know it, it creates waves. Like, literally creates waves. It does. It's such an effect on us. <laughs> Stanley, you're fucking laughing. It's <laughs> <laughs> true facts. And that's probably why we can't ignore it any longer. Right? We can't ignore this feeling that we have for the moon. Right. I'm, like, thinking of all (laughs) these, like, bad 80s, 90s love songs. (laughs) (laughs) So we all know uh, some of the main conspiracy theories surrounding the moon landing. Fun fact, about 5% of Americans believe the moon landing was fake. Yeah. They also believe the world is flat, so. Yeah thoughts on that thoughts on that is that is that is that (laughs) i say you know what you can make anything on the internet sound real yeah they try to they try to use like light and shadows to show that it was created in a studio rather than on the actual moon but like shadows are not going to show up the same way they do on the earth if you're on the moon Right. So, like, didn't they say there was like a flag waving, like there was something? The wave in the flag is created by wire in the flag. Right. They preset that to look like it was waving in the wind. Yeah. 
it's um, structured that way. Also, fun fact, the um, flag on the moon has been bleached by the sun, so it's actually completely white. Huh. It's just white. They surrender it. You know what's interesting, <laughs> So, okay, regardless of the moon landing, that's not what we're going to be talking today. What? Sorry to, I know, <laughs> we're not going to be talking about that. I'm sorry to shock you guys. Well, on tangent. Uh, I know. Oh my god, she had a built-in tangent. <laughs> I love it. I like, really warmed you guys up for, like, a twist, okay? So, can we say knuckle and buckle? Yeah, buckle up, okay, we're going on a wild ride. White so, knuckle and buckle. We aren't talking about the moon landing. We're talking about the moon itself, the existence of the moon, where it came from, what we believe it's actually doing here. It's made of cheese, please. Can you hold on just a hot <laughs> second? Okay. <laughs> Spoilers. Oh, my God. So, um, like we were saying, we traveled to the moon 50 years ago. So, actually, pretty recent if you look at, you know, the grand scheme of Girl, that was 50 years ago. That was, like, six years ago. Okay. 60. I wrote this 10 years ago. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) At least it feels that way. Right. Okay. So the moon has been a witness to us through our entire history, dating back, you know, to our natives, our ancestors, thousands of years ago. They had their own hypotheses about it. They knew it was there. They knew it was mysterious. They knew it did something, but no one actually knew anything about it. So they made up all these grand ideas about it. Okay, so today I'm going to be covering some of the craziest theories surrounding the moon. Take them how you will. It's up to you whether or not they ring true to you. First and foremost, I want to say that I don't work for NASA. I'm not a scientist. So who actually knows what? <laughs> I know you guys are all thinking I was an expert on the moon. You're I am not a an moon child. Yeah, I'm a moon child. That doesn't mean I know anything about it. <laughs> you just know you get the feeling. Right, and NASA don't come after me. All of this is alleged. SpaceX. Right. None of this is true. None of this is true. Okay. So the first theory that I would love to cover is the fact that the moon is not even real. What? Yes. I see the man on the moon all the time. What are you talking about? No. Listen to this. It's actually an alien space station used to monitor our planet, such like an alien Death Star. What the fuck? Right. Like the Death Star from Star Wars. Like, you just imagine it up there, like... What are they going to do with it? What's the point? What Are they well, watching us? Well, a man named Scott C. Waring. I don't trust men named Scott. Well, Mr. Scott claimed to have found photos that proved there were aliens on the moon, but that NASA deleted them. He also claims that the surface of the moon is covered to make it look like a planet, but that it opens up to allow spaceships to enter. He also complains... Er, he also claims that there is an alien city on the dark side of the moon because he analyzed a picture of a crater on the far side of the moon and said that it looked like it had structures on it that were possibly millions, hundreds of millions of years old. What? A picture from when? I mean, how? Come on. Right. Listen. Okay. If you want to say that it looked like a structure that was hundreds of millions of years old, you mean it looked like crumbling rock. Exactly. Which is what's on the moon. How do you know what an alien structure looked like? From hundreds of millions of years ago. Were you alive? Were you alive, Scott? So, yeah, I don't even know how he thought he saw what he saw. I mean, I'm the type of person where I have to see something with my own eyes to believe it. But I physically have to see for myself to believe something that wild. NASA discredits the whole theory, and they say that uh, it has to be 
it's it has something to do with the phenomenon that allows you to see like Jesus on a piece of toast or something. It's basically like taking something and like pulling a meaning from it, like seeing some some kind of shape, seeing what you want to see. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, like those ink blots that they do and stuff. Mm, those are so fun. fun. Those are fun. I like those. Those are scary. I, I think they're like scary those. too. I think we live completely different childhoods. Okay. <laughs> I mean, what are those called? You're like, those are so fun. I'm like, I'm terrified of what I'll see. I'll be like, uh, I see an alligator yeah. and it's coming for me. Wait, do you guys also hate like the color test things? It's like oh. all the little colored dots and it's like, what number do you see inside of it? Oh, no, I don't. Those don't, don't bother me. It's like it's like when you look at the clouds and you find images in the clouds. It is. Oh, that's so exciting. Although that's way more relaxing. Now all I'm thinking about is that scene in Up where she looks at the clouds and then they're all babies. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, that's such a- so there's something in your brain that will make some some sense out of nothing. So maybe when he was looking at those photos of the moon, of the especially of the backside of the moon. He's like, damn, the moon can really throw it back. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! When I said the backside of the moon, up. <laughs> the fucking moon to us. Right, right. God. So this theory is called the hollow moon theory, and in this theory, actually, between the um, there, there's something that. Uh, so in this theory um, is also the idea that the moon sort of rings like a bell. Yes, that sounds weird, but between... Ew. Right. Ew! Okay. I don't like that. Okay, well, at least it's not cheese. Between 1972 and 1977, <laughs> seismometers were installed on the moon by the Apollo missions, and they recorded actual moonquakes. Ooh. Right? Like moonquakes, okay? I've heard of these. Well, That's really interesting. I've not heard about this. I want to know. I want to know more. Okay. Well, the moon was described as quote ringing like a bell unquote. So especially. So like, did it have? So does the moon have like tectonic plates? I am not interesting, but that's in- that. It, or I'm not sure, but that's interesting because that would make sense if there was a yeah. If there's earthquakes that like, I, I would think in our understanding that the only way to have earthquakes is to have tectonic plates that hit up against each other. It's, it's, just, a it's a moon quake. quake. It's the same concept, just on a different planetary, like, you know, object. Yeah, oh my gosh. Can you imagine describing something as, like, quaking like the moon? Like, that just sounds terrifying. I don't know that, why my brain just went there. Delete that. I'm please. sorry, I'm just imagining the moon quaking <laughs> with a giant booty on the back. <laughs> Throwing it back. I called it the back side of the moon instead of the dark side of the moon. I just had to go with it. (laughs) I'm sorry. I I can't. I can't handle it. (laughs) Yeah, so they sent um, Apollo 12. uh, Okay, I'm sorry. They sent a lunar module on the moon's surface and claimed that the moon rang like a bell for an hour. So the argument came from that. It's like, oh, well, a ring like a bell must be hollow. But who really fucking knows? Hmm. Um, but there is no evidence of any large empty space inside the body. So this is, like, completely unfounded. It's just something that's weird and unexplained. I don't. I mean, it was the yeah. 1970s. Everyone was doing drugs, so who really knows what to do? <laughs> 
he's dropping acid. Exactly. So that was, I just found that very interesting when it came to the moon being hollow, okay? The second theory is that the moon is actually, and this is going to be your favorite, Rachel, made of cheese. Ooh, cheese. Yes. I know. You remember all those childhood stories that the moon, for some reason, is, like, made of edible cheese? Those were so wild. Swiss cheese. Like, who came up with that? Like, there's some giant space cow out there, like, getting milk. I'm just confused. <laughs> what? I'm just, like, confused. <laughs> like, how did how did that happen? Like, they told us this as, it like, children. It's probably somebody on drugs. The third theory is that there's a rabbit that lives on the moon. What? I know that sounds weird, but this rabbit on the moon thing shows up in Buddhism and Native American lore, sort of, are equivalent oh, yeah. to the man on the moon. So, to me, that signifies this universal belief that either there's something on the moon or that the moon itself is some sort of entity because it seems to mess with us so much. And that person on the moon or rabbit on the moon could be a personification of this belief or feeling. So, like, I feel like humans in general, when they start to, like, have this overwhelming feeling, something that they can't explain, they like to look outside of themselves something physical yeah. that embodies that and perhaps this is something like that the rabbit on the moon though like who the fuck would there a rabbit it's like who's the one with the moon go bud go right i don't know and i would like to look up the history of that i i kind of want to hear more Sounds about interesting. that too. yeah especially if it shows up across on other yeah yeah other cultures that's very interesting but you know we put the man on the moon like we we looked up there and we thought that there was some kind of weird face right so it's not so strange to right me. i remember looking up when i was a kid and like believing that there was a little man stuck on the literal moon that's that's so weird yeah didn't make any sense but i feel like that's what we were told as kids so yeah there was always a man on the moon we were so little so why not believe it yeah well all of that leads me to this theory that the moon controls fertility this makes sense. Oh, I do love that theory. I know. Um, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, the oldest calendar in the world um, is actually a bone with, like, 28 markings on it. And they don't know if it was to record, you know, the phases of the moon in a full moon cycle or if it was to record a full woman's uh, menstrual cycle. Yeah, it could be either. They yeah, really so know. they don't know. So it's just classified as both. Yeah, that's so odd that that's the same length. That's just, there yeah. has to be some kind of correlation. We, we don't know how to connect the dots yeah. specifically. So this is a super weird coincidence, um, and I haven't seen a lot of science speak on the issue. So, like, making that correlation or that connection. Because there's too many men in science. Possibly, possibly. It's just not a big enough I don't think course. about that shit. Yeah, I think about it all the time, though. I mean, I always... But, um, so through history, we see all these religions with goddesses, goddess deities that represent the moon. So there is that connection that we've made through history. So whether or not civilizations had enough knowledge surrounding this, they knew there was something about it and it showed up in their fertility goddesses. I don't know why it's so weird for me that they paid attention to this. I mean, in the 1950s, a Czech doctor found an ancient Assyrian astrology test text stating that women were fertile during phases of the moon, certain phases of the moon, and he actually based this entire his entire family planning method on this, and he even told his patients that they were ovulating when the moon was in the same position as when they were born. So, I know, it sounds mm. wild, 
but this is obviously anecdotal evidence, but there's another theory that the moon causes uh, upticks in birth, but science really holds the belief that the lunar effect is just completely imagined by us. That it's just, like, kind of um, a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, there's so many things that, you know, science has explained, you know, sort of, you know, the way that the moon creates waves on in the ocean and things like that. Like, is it really that wild to stretch that and, and say that there's some sort of effect that it has on our bodies? Like, if it can create that powerful of an effect on the ocean, who's right. to say it, it's not having some sort of effect on our bodies? Right. Like that to me is the most yeah given us. Yeah, have we talked about the like gravity? I don't know. I mean, there's there's really no exact scientific proof, no way to prove it, but it's pretty believable that the moon, because of the gravitational pull that we talked about between the Earth and the moon, the tides and gravity in general, um, it affects us in some way or somehow. And even though there is no way to know how that effect shows up, um, except molecularly. Yeah. So there's no there's no way to to really tell what else it is affecting. Possibly, you know, sight. I don't know. Stuff. Maybe maybe this is one of those things that you know we're speculating on now, and you know, thirty years from now, um, you know, scientists are going to be like, well, obviously it's this. Like, how could we not have seen it? You know, the right. Earth was clearly understood as being flat until someone was like, no, it's round. Right. We might so, just be missing a key. Yeah. Point. A key point that, you know, makes everything come together. Which leads me to my fifth theory, and this is based on the strangest fact. We do not know where the moon came from. So in the 1600s, Galileo showed that the moon had a landscape similar to the Earth with, like, mountains and plains. So that started the first belief that the Earth and the moon were somehow formed together. Interesting. Fast forward to the 1800s, and Charles Darwin's son suggested that when the Earth was really young, it spun faster than it did now, and basically a chunk flew off and formed the moon. Okay. Right? <laughs> I know. Um, okay, so... I'm just... I'm sorry. I'm just imagining one of those, like, merry-go-round toys that they used to have on playgrounds back in the day, and they don't have any more because they're super dangerous. But, like, I'm just imagining, like, a bunch of kids on it, and it's spinning too fast, and one of the kids flies off. Happens every mulch. damn time. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can think about. Exactly. Um, that's what I'm imagining, too. It just, also, it just sounds so funny to me. Like, if a piece flew off and formed the moon, did the Earth just suddenly slow down its rotation? Because we only got one moon. I also am aware of, of the theory that, you know, a long, 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 long time ago, the Earth was hit by a meteor that it caused a chunk, as well as part of the meteor, to sort of uh, fall into orbit. And then that, you know, sort of gravity, it created its own gravity, which turned it into a sphere, and it just continued to stay in orbit. Yeah, that's really interesting. But I don't, I'm not a, an astrophysicist. You're not? I thought you were. No, you're off. I'm a mediocre social scientist. I'm having this conversation with the wrong fucking person. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> so, 
So in this theory from Mr. Darwin, um, not only did the moon fly off from us, but it caused a huge scar which formed the Pacific Ocean. But after World War II, a chemist proposed that instead, the moon came from another galaxy and was pulled in by Earth's gravity. So technically, we don't have, we just don't have an idea where the moon came from. This theory is backed up by the fact that the moon always faces us with the same side. And that can happen when objects get captured. You know, so maybe we stole it. Maybe we stole someone's hoe. (laughs) It was the moon. I, I just, like, I get the fascination with the moon. But, like, are we applying these same theories to all the other planets that have moons? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I so, see so that. I'm, I'm like, yeah, it's our moon, but that doesn't make it special right. from other moons. Right. Like, exactly. <laughs> there exactly. are more moons than just ours. The only thing that makes the moon special to us is the fact that it's ours. Exactly. That's so interesting because well, yeah. I literally thought that same sentence before. <laughs> I'm like, but that's why we find it interesting. Yes. Because it's because ours. It's ours. It's, we don't it's, care about everybody it's else. Like, it's like parents who are like, little Jimmy is just the smartest and cutest boy I've literally ever seen. And you're like, your boy Jimmy is eating fucking dirt. Yeah. Like, or your kid Brigida. looks like a troll. Or Brigida. like the people, the people with the bumper stickers on the back of their car, like my my kid is an honor roll student. I'm like, listen, no one gives a fuck. Like, no one gives a fuck being Ninety yeah. percent of kids are honor roll students. Shut up. Right. Okay. Good job. You turned in his homework. You probably did it too. <laughs> you stayed up till two a.m. to do his project. Yeah. Yes, they love their kids. I mean, true, true. So maybe we captured it from another. Um, you know, maybe we pulled it in from another galaxy. Who knows? Some scientists believe that in order for that to be true, though, the capturing of the moon would have to have orbit disrupted so much that they probably would have hit each other in the end. So, I don't know, possibly Earth's atmosphere at one point could have been so thick with two seas <laughs> thick, you know what I'm saying, that it could have acted like a giant airbag, which could have slowed it down, but overall all of these ideas seem really unlikely with the way that we think of things. So, it's just kind of yeah. wild kind of out there. Who really knows? There's so much possible out there, and there are so many things that we don't actually have answers for that some things are even beyond our own imaginations. I mean, when I think of all these things that ended up being true that we could have never even dreamed of ourselves, such as, you know, 2020. But I digress. (laughs) You ain't kidding there. Right. So, I mean, all these things, all these conspiracies and things that just kind of piece together years later come out to be true. So who knows? Maybe we did pull it in from another galaxy and I don't really know. There's still a lot that we don't know about the moon with surface samples and the mathematics of its orbit and size and things, but no matter what we do know, it just never seems to be enough. And that's why people have always been and still continue to be so curious about the moon, the stars, and our overall place in the universe. We want to know why we're here. We want to know what we're where we're headed towards. We want to know our history. It's what makes us human. One of the fun facts we do know is that based off lunar rock samples, that the moon is almost chemically identical to that of Earth. And Hmm. that is that on that. Fascinating. Interesting. Yeah, so I can't believe that it's chemically, almost chemically identical to us. I mean, it fits with the idea that, you know, uh, it's broken off from something, like from part of the Earth. 
Yeah. In yeah. one way or another. So. There's some kind of connection, and we just haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. That's really interesting. I've never really thought about the moon that much. No, but I love all the theories. Speaking of the moon, speaking of the moon, let's send our podcast out today with a tarot card reading. Ooh, a little good juju, and let's see what the universe has to tell us. Yeah. So, let's put some good vibes in this box. Remember that these cards are neither good nor bad. We take what we need from them. Yes. The Hermit. Ooh, I do love this card. So we have the Upright Hermit. I don't... Oh my god, it's my sign. The Hermit is in Virgo. That's the planet. Oh. It's cold. Yes, I am a hermit, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it may seem like I'm not, but I'm not. But really, I just like stay at home and water my plants. You <laughs> call them by your name. So this card symbolizes soul-searching, reflection, and truth. Soul searching tends to be a solo journey, so you may find yourself withdrawing from social activities and retreating inside yourself. You are seeking your deep inner truth and defining your core values. If that means a night in a glass of wine, then so be it. Ooh. Yes. You are seeking alignment with your mind, body, and soul and are finding new ways of consciously prioritizing your beliefs into your daily life, bitch. Yes. I like that. You know, you gotta take care of yourself first yes find your you know you need some time to reflect a little bit figure yeah. out kind of what's going on what you're about and maybe that's what this year is actually teaching us in i think it is it's teaching us a lot of patience yes that's look, what it's teaching patience us. and kindness and like look within like you know kind of find out what we're valuing yeah things like that take all that time that, yeah you know. okay so you know, that makes me think of a quote that was actually written on the inside of Anne Frank's diary. And it said, be kind and have courage. That's really good. Those are a couple of the most important things. Yeah. Love and bravery. Sweet and simple. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, I hope you guys have a great week. For sure. Thank you guys for tuning in. And we'll see you next week if you decide to stick around with yeah, us. Yeah. You can uh, listen to us on all... All the platforms. Make sure you to leave us uh, a five star review and uh, tell us about uh, how much you like our podcast. Um, you can email us at the cohostpodcast at gmail and follow us on Instagram at the cohost podcast. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.